Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and with me are... Vendra Hardawar. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today on the podcast, we got some what we've been watching for you, and then we're going to move on into an in-depth review. This week, we're going to be reviewing uh, the 2020 live-action remake of Mulan that's just out in theaters right now and is the subject of some controversy that we'll discuss uh, briefly. Really looking forward to that review. We got uh, Nancy Wong Yoon joining us uh, for the discussion, Uh, so get excited for that. But before we get to any of that, First of all, just want to say hello, guys. How's, how's everything going? Uh, uh, it's going pretty terrible, man. Pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt it, Jeff. Um, but that said, you, your your son had a birthday party recently, right? How'd that hey. go? Oh, party is a very pre-COVID word to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's had, a big facsimile of a party now. We, he had a <laughs> he had a birthday, and there were decorations. Uh, we got decorations from Amazon. Uh, it was a Hot Wheels themed party. Nice. Um, and my mom came into town for that, which was which was nice. I hadn't seen my mom in six months. She used to come almost once a month uh, to visit the grandkids, and we hadn't seen her in six months. And she drove down uh, and uh, was here for quite a while, actually twelve days. She leaves tomorrow, uh, and uh, so so that was nice. But yeah, it was. Um, it's been it's been rough here. Uh, there's yeah. lots of lots. I mean, it was. Literally yesterday in, at my house, the LA Times reported uh, record heat. I was 122 degrees at my house, which has never never been recorded in my area before. Um, so uh, that that's fun. That's uh, and the that's smoke a, and everything, and the, right? And the smoke from the fires. And uh, did you hear about yeah. the the plague, Jeff? I hear Lake Tahoe has plague. The plague, some lake, some, some lake near it oh, in good. California. Oh, it's good. not great. I, yeah, we, yeah, we. I had one day where like everything went wrong. My <laughs> got some health news that was rough. I got laid off from my day job. My wife got into a fender bender. Uh, she's fine, but it was rough. Uh, and uh, and and to top it all off, uh, Taco Bell removed the de- Mexican pizza from their menu all, all in the same day. So um, that you know it was not a, it was not a good day for me this week. All negative things of equally bad magnitude, basically, mm-hmm. yes. is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, Jeff, uh, but at least you got to watch Mulan at home, right? That was yeah, a, man. That was benefit. Oh, I can't wait to talk about Mulan at home. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to what we've been watching, Jeff. You and I had a chance to watch uh, a movie called "You Cannot Kill David Arquette." Oh, I've been looking forward to this for so long. Yes, yes. So I knew David Arquette primarily as uh, the dopey actor who appeared in the Scream movies and also starred in a movie called Eight Legged Freaks." Nineties yeah. guy. Yeah, we loved him. Yeah. And, and also, vaguely was connected to wrestling. Um, now. The the movie. This is a documentary called "You Cannot Kill David Arquette," and it chronicles David Arquette's recent tangles with uh, the wrestling industry. And uh, essentially, the the premise of this, or like kind of the table setting of this movie, is that David Arquette uh, won what the heavyweight title in the WCW. Is that right? Am I getting? Am I saying that term right? Yes. Uh, there was a period of time in wrestling where in professional wrestling. <laughs> Where, yeah, sit back, Davinja, sit back and relax because I'm about to get <laughs> Here's into the it. thing. I saw the trailer for this, Jeff, and I was like, this is a weird bit for a movie, like pretending David Arquette 
is going to wrestling? <laughs> What's a joke here? Well, that's funny because that was the <laughs> same joke in the 90s, right? So yeah. David Arquette did a movie called Ready to Rumble. I can't remember yes. what year that was. It got like 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like no yeah. one remembers it. Yet, but they so. got into this big promotional deal with WCW. Back then, WCW and WWE were two separate organizations and they had something called the, the Monday Night Wars where they both had programs at the same time on the same night of the week head to head. And it was like there were... You know, it was like Marvel versus DC or Nintendo versus uh, Sega or Sony versus Microsoft. What, whatever geeky thing you want to do, that's what it was for wrestling fans. It was like, what are your alliances? And they had, you know, they were getting people to switch over. They were, you know, um, um, poaching talent from other sides and everything. It was, it was a big deal. And it made for some really exciting things because there was like, you know, the live... Um, um, ratings of the of the things in real time they were like you know trying to do stunts to get people to watch each each one instead of the other anyway wcw was uh was kind of being booked and run by this guy named eric bischoff and this other guy named vince russo and they got in this promotional deal with this movie ready to rumble and david arquette is in ready to rumble and they decided in their great wisdom that they would have David Arquette come into the ring and wrestle. This is not something that is unprecedented in uh, professional wrestling. There's lots of, you know, all the way back to Andy Kaufman, uh, but there's lots of precedent for famous people going into the ring. Mike Tyson was in the WWF at the time. And uh, it's just on and on and on all kinds of, I mean, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the old baseball player that w was gambling. Um Gosh, the Pete Rose, yeah, Pete Rose? Pete Rose. The very famously, Pete Rose? Pete Rose was in the WWF. Anyway, um, so, but the difference here is that they decided to give David Arquette the title, like the title, like the heavyweight championship of the world in WCW. They put it on David Arquette, who weighed about a you know a buck fifteen at the time, and is you know was very hard for people to swallow the fact that he was you know, better than Goldberg and Sting and all these other yeah. uh, WCW. It's it's ridiculous for many reasons because he just looks like physically when you see him back then, he didn't yeah. look superimposing. So the idea that he could beat these other guys was ridiculous. It's hilarious to me that this was to promote a movie called Ready to Rumble, a movie that most <laughs> most people on this planet don't know exists, right? right. Uh, it'd be one thing if it was like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, but that's the, the point, right? It, you do something like this so people do know it exists, right? That's right. the whole point is that, right. you know, you try to, like, I remember. I'm it didn't old, take, it didn't take is what I'm saying. Jeff. It didn't take, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember when Hulk Hogan was in a movie called No Holds Barred and they brought in Zeus to be, because Zeus was his enemy in the movie and they brought him into the WWF and it, they tried to make a whole thing out of it. They had RoboCop come to the WWF one at one point. Anyway, long history of this kind of blatant commercialism but, uh, but none of it, RoboCop didn't win like the heavyweight title. That's like, the he, difference, it's, right? It's the, it's the fact that he won number one that people felt was so disrespectful. Right. And uh, a couple other things to add to that. Number one is that he didn't, he never wanted to do this. Like, it, or, or rather, he, it wasn't like he thought it was an awesome idea, right? Because he actually respected the sport and he had a great deal of worry that it would kind of be a disgrace in some ways, which it ended up being, right? Is this is this is what the documentary what, purports, at least. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, 
And so, yeah, and so this thing happened and, like, people were really pissed. This would be, like, if a movie, like, I don't know, Green Book won Best Picture or something. (laughs) It's like that. that No, it's like if if it it would be like if um, they decided... To to make a the, it make the um the the cast of Friday Night Lights win the Super Bowl, you know, as like a promotional deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's yeah, what it yeah. would be like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, although Friday Night Lights was actually good, right? Uh, <laughs> right at times, yeah. as yeah. opposed to Ready to Rumble, a movie that barely exists. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, this movie kind of is about David Arquette trying to get back into wrestling after all these years in an, in an attempt to better understand why he dis- why and how he disrespected people back then by by claiming the title and also um because he loves the sport and wants to do honor to it so all that said jeff all that preamble said like what did you actually think of this movie you cannot kill david arquette well first of all i I genuinely don't know if this is a work or a shoot. That's wrestling parlance for meaning, is it on the up and up? Is this an authentic story? Uh, I, I'm not entirely certain that this is a shoot. A shoot would be, it's all absolutely true as you see it. it is, it's actually telling you the honest to goodness truth. A work is... Pretending to be true, it's it's Andy Kaufman, right? It's tr- pretending to be true, and it is actually not. It's using elements of truth to seem more plausible, but everybody's in on the gag. I don't know. I don't know if this movie's entirely a shoot. It may be. There are certainly things in it that are real, and 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 I don't doubt that any of the footage is legit. And he did all the things he did. I'm not saying anything is fake in the movie. I don't understand why. He wouldn't, if this was something he wanted to do, he wouldn't have done it five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, <laughs> right? Why now? Why all of a sudden there, his wife, by the way, this is a movie about the world's best wife. This is the movie about a saint <laughs> as a wife. I can only imagine. Is I can it? only imagine. Yeah. Cer- certainly uh, an enabling wife is what I'll tell you, Jeff. Uh, she Supportive. seems to be Supportive. Sure. absolute saint. Uh, in fact, uh, it, the movie made me cry at the end because of something she does. Uh, it, but um, so having said that about, you know, I, I thought this movie was absolutely riveting. And I am certainly the target audience here. I know the history of the, the wrestling thing. I'm a, I'm a Mark. I'm a wrestling fan. I There's so much in this movie that is not pointed out, but that is a big deal for people like me that kind of follow the the sport and, or the sport entertainment. And uh, I mean, like he visits DDP yoga for like 15 seconds. And if you didn't read Diamond Dallas Page's shirt, you wouldn't know that he was at DDP yoga. But like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. It has a big presence in the world of retired wrestlers. It's like a big deal. Um, yeah, so... And, and, and on an entirely different level, what I did, the moment I finished watching this movie at 12 uh, midnight uh, the other night, is that I immediately Googled something that I haven't watched in maybe 10 years. And that is an episode of my old video podcast, The Totally Rad Show, 
where Alex Albrecht, Dan Trachtenberg, and I went and had professional wrestling training. So we did an episode of our show oh, yeah. where yeah. we had Lucha Libre wrestling training. And we went to a place called Santino Brothers uh, Wrestling Academy, which is in Los Angeles, which David Arquette goes to in this movie. Uh, so he goes to the same place that I trained at for one day. Uh, obviously, he trains more than one day, I think. Although the timing and time frame of this movie is very nebulous. You're never really sure how long he's doing anything or when anything is taking place. Um, but it made me rewatch that segment because I, I didn't remember the details of us, uh, learning all the moves and going through it. It is hilarious to go back and rewatch it, by the way, this is something that happened 10 years ago and, uh, we get the shit kicked out of us. Uh, genuinely Dan Trachtenberg throws up in the middle of the episode, uh, because he's been being brutalized. We get chops, open hand chest slaps, which they call a, a, a chop, uh, open as like our coronation at the end. And I had a, I'm telling you guys, I had a perfectly shaped hand mark on my chest. Like, like someone drew it meticulously, perfectly shaped open hand on my chest for two weeks after that. I could barely walk for, for a long time after it. Um, we got the shit kicked out of us just taking bumps. We also learned how to do uh, head scissors, which is the move that you see David Arquette doing over and over and over in this movie that is very impressive looking, but ridiculously simple to learn because we learned how to do it in a day um, and did it a number of times. It, it is, um, it's very impressive looking, but super simple to do. Anyway, all of that is to say... I friggin' love this movie. I found it so fascinating and interesting. It is, I, I went through this roller coaster of emotions watching it. It is at times very difficult to watch. It is, I, I, there were times where my heart was beating out of my chest because it is so, you, you watch a man who clearly has very intense issues in his life, uh, doing things that he sh probably should not be doing to himself. Uh, you see him spiral out of control at a number of times. There's a sequence where he takes um, ketamine and you watch him lose his mind. Uh, 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 it is insane. Oh, um, he, he, has, he had a heart attack uh, and was still wrestling. He goes to numerous doctors who tell him he, he shouldn't be doing this. Uh, it, and then he gets very badly injured in a certain, in a sequence that I know is a shoot because you see his face completely change and he is scared for his life. Um, it, it, there are a number of just incredibly tense moments. The music in this movie, the scoring in this movie really amps that up. And you, I, I don't know. I don't know how you felt, Dave. I, I'm so curious how you viewed this movie as someone who really couldn't give two shits about wrestling. <laughs> uh, overall, I really like this movie. Um, I think if you have only a passing understanding of who David Arquette is, which is my the boat I fall into, uh, you will get a lot out of this movie. I think it's like really well-made documentary. It, it will make you respect the art of wrestling more is, is, was my kind of takeaway from this is like, Oh, like the Darren Aronofsky movie, the wrestler, right? Like you really, and there's actually many sequences that actually feel similar to that movie. Well, even though this I would, is a documentary. I would yep. recommend if anyone wants that experience, uh, rent beyond the mat, 
Beyond the Mat is the documentary about wrestling, as far as I'm concerned, that will make you understand what it what it takes. But to me, um, I mean, yes, I, I was riveted. I don't think I had quite the same emotional reaction or the emotional sort of buy-in to this movie as you did, largely because the the everything that happens with David Arquette in this movie is extremely upsetting. It's mm-hmm. very, very sad. And you're like, oh, his wife's a saint. That 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 was not my reaction, right? Is that like he's surrounded by people who enable his incredibly reckless, selfish, and dangerous behavior. And it is actually very, very deeply sad and depressing that uh, America has created someone like David Arquette uh, was kind of my takeaway from this. Um, so I, I found it to be an effective documentary. You know, like I really... Uh, under, understood the journey that this movie is trying to take me on and I was along for it but ultimately it left me feeling very very sad um, and so that's kind of my my reaction is worth watching for sure but um, it, 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 the, the subject matter is is deeply upsetting and depressing so I, I, I don't disagree with that I think that, that there is a lot in this movie that is deeply upsetting and depressing for sure Um it is a roller coaster of of emotion, and it, and it ends on a positive note. But you kind of go, "Well, did he stop? <laughs> I hope he stopped, um, because um, you know uh, he's just looking for somebody to put him over at a certain point. And and you know when that happens, it's like, okay, can you stop now? <laughs> but you know, I, I found it fascinating. Like you get to see a lot of Patricia Arquette and Rosanna Arquette and Courtney Cox and all these people that are in his life, his kids. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I found Imagine it being th- his kids, just hearing all of this, but man, well, they, they seem they're, extremely well adjusted. They are amazing. And he constantly asks them if he should be doing this and they constantly tell him no. And there's shots of them at wrestling matches, cheering and, and, and cringing at things they see him go through. Um, yeah. Also just the pure physical transformation you see in him from in this movie, like at the beginning, I mean, it is, it is a wild ride. There, there is, there is literally the juxtaposition of him, like from one shot to the next of him, uh, like getting horrible, <laughs> horrible health news and then sitting sort of semi overweight without a shirt on with a wizard robe on the back of a horse on his own property saying, as long as you're part of the joke, you can't be the joke, you know, like as long as you're the one joking about yourself, it's so, so (laughs) just devastatingly sad. Um, Yes. Yes. Very, very by the way, like his, I'm still here, except it's actually in some ways, in some ways, although more, more intense than that. Yeah. It reminded me of like of uh, Tom Ripley, to be honest, you know, like I'd rather be a, a fake somebody than a real nobody. Yeah, a uh, lot of a uh, lot of shades of that in this movie. But was there any part of you that thought this movie w- was not entirely true? I I would say I felt the biases of the filmmaker in the movie, right? Yeah. Because, and what I mean by that is, I would assume that the filmmakers are very much rooting for David Arquette to succeed, and I think that the film reflects that attitude. Um, and whether you agree with that attitude or not is going to inform like how much you are, are kind of chafing against what the filmmakers are trying to create here. So, yeah. 
Um, but it's it's a worthy film of checking out, and I'm glad I watched it, and I'm glad you got a lot out of it, Jeff. Um, the movie is You Cannot Kill David Arquette. Uh, you can buy or rent it right now on video on demand. If you own cats, there's probably something you've noticed every summer. They just tend to get really stinky, or at least their litter boxes do. That's why I really enjoy using Pretty Litter. It's cat litter that gets delivered right to your doorstep. Uh, you don't have to go to the pet store anymore to look back a 10 or 20 pound box. It's very light. Uh, it uses ultra absorbent crystals to trap odor, and it lasts up to a month. And one of the good things, too, is that it's pretty safe for your cat. There aren't as many irritants as there are in traditional litters. It's very easy to take care of overall, and it's pretty dust-free too, which I really appreciate. And the really cool thing is that Pretty Litter can also help to check if your cat has an illness. It changes colors if they have a urinary tract infection or kidney issues. That's something normal clay litter can't do. And, you know, you get it all at your door every month. You don't have to go to the store. It's pretty great to me. So save yourself, make it a no-stink summer with Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code FILMCAST for 20% off of your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST. Devinger Hardware, what have you been watching this week? Uh, more like what I've been watching on repeat over and over again for the past month. Uh, so I've introduced my daughter to the films of uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Mm. And I have started with my neighbor Totoro. And she loves it. She is obsessed. And I was able to sneak in Kiki's delivery uh, delivery service there too, uh, which is uh, you know a slightly older, more mature film, but she also loves it. And now that is all we do. So when she is not playing or reading or you know doing other stuff, she is just like, she will straight up tell me, let's watch Totoro now. And I have seen both of these movies, I would say several dozen times over the past month. And uh, wow. just want to say, um, I would say with most things, if you did this to me with like most kids movies, especially like Disney movies, I would probably be going insane by now. But these movies are freaking perfect. And I, I guess that's really what I'm saying is that these classics of uh, cinema and animation are, in fact, deservedly classics. But, yeah, these are both movies I would love. Like, I still love rewatching them. Um, I love every pretty pretty much every scene. And Totoro, in particular, is such a really interesting film to watch uh, a toddler just try to conceive of because the basic narrative of it is two girls who move to a new place. They're going through kind of a rough time because their mom is in a hospital and they're moving to the country. They kind of are just learning new things. They have a new house and they meet us, uh, a forest uh, spirit, basically, or a forest troll. And they just have adventures. That's it. They're, they're just living their lives, trying to deal with the fact that their mom is sick and trying to support each other as sisters. But it's not like it's really not a traditional narrative. Like these movies just kind of go all over the place. But it makes sense on like a childlike level too. So I've just really grown to appreciate both of these films, um, but especially Totoro on a, on just like a purely cinematic level, like everything they do, the way these movies present their stories and tell them is just masterful. So I, I've seen them before, but I will say there is nothing like seeing a movie that you already know is great. And then watching it over and over and over again, and then also seeing a small child just like have this wonder in her as she 
you know, as she picks all of this up, as she sees this and experiences these movies, uh, there was a point in a, in Kiki's delivery service, like right at the very beginning. By the way, I don't know when last you guys have seen those movies. Um, the first 10 minutes of Kiki's delivery service is just like perfect, completely perfect. Sets up the story, tells us who she is, builds the world, gives us huge emotional stakes because her parents are ready to leave her. So first of all, I, I kind of hate watching that part of the movie now because it's also making me feel a little sad because it's all about a 13 year old just going off and trying to, you know, train and live on her own for a while. And as a parent, that is just hard to think about right now. But yeah, that opening is masterful. And at one point, um, Kiki was just getting ready to fly and Sophia grabbed my hand and she just like looked on in wonder as Kiki, you know, launched into her broomstick and flew into the air. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is why movies are good. So that's my review for the week. Movies are good, especially my neighbor Totoro and Kiki's delivery service. And yeah, Give these like watch these movies with your kids. Uh, there, there are so many things that I feel like kids get latched onto, and there's so much bad kid content out there now too. Especially uh, all the freaking singing videos on YouTube. Um, if if you can, if you can curate the experience for what your child is doing, I think it's well worth it because you want to be stuck watching stuff stuff like this on repeat and not uh, the damn like kids singing about their 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 dad's videos like the the weird like poor animation stuff on youtube is just like really grating to me so yeah these movies are great they're on hbo max now too so they're super accessible yeah i was gonna say what was the format by which you chose to enjoy it's hbo max like uh, i mean otherwise yeah it actually was a little tough before because none of these movies were on uh, you know, iTunes or anything for a while, and that's a recent thing that uh, Ghibli yeah, brought they, them over. They are now streaming on iTunes. Yeah, they're now uh, streaming. You, or so you, now, you can buy you can buy them on iTunes. You can buy them. Yeah, yeah. So before it would have been like you know having to dig out a Blu-ray and just switch over and over again, but now my daughter will wake up and be like, "Okay, Totoro time," and we just hit a button and Totoro's on the screen. So yeah, the world we live in, um, it's insane. Like I feel like if I describe this to most people, they'll be like, "Oh, aren't you going insane right now?" But no, I'm not because these movies are perfect and I will watch them over and over again and I don't cherish this time that I have. But I guess this is my shout out to parents um, right now, especially once like you start watching stuff with your kids as they approach two. Um, yeah, be careful with what you present to them. Right now it's all uh, Totoro, Kiki and Peppa's Pig. And I, I dig Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig has good sass and good writing and good characters. So I'm, I'm down with that. But uh, yeah, Jeff, I'm sure you know this pain of finding good kid content. Yeah, it is tough, but these movies are perfect. So yeah, worth worth my, checking out. My kids are stuck on Zootopia right now. I've Zootopia's seen Zootopia good. a number of Zootopia's times. Good. Yeah. yeah, curious. I'm curious what you know. A lot of um, uh, uh, movies, TV shows are kind of redoing their stories um, mm-hmm. to take into account world events, um, and specifically around like. Uh, depicting police officers in the uh, the light mm. in which they have been depicted. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, like Brooklyn Nine Nine, like they're kind of reassessing how they should tell their story given everything that's happened. And yeah. so, uh, curious how Zootopia is going to handle things because I think there Zootopia is going to be kind of harsh. Like, even even when it came out, Zootopia was like weirdly pro cop, but also very like very pro law enforcement in many ways. But yeah, certainly. Certainly, the tide has changed. I guess in, t- in terms of a lot of attitudes around that too. And uh, curious, curious what the uh, yeah how Zootopia two, which is currently sure. supposed to come out in twenty twenty one, might change its uh, yeah 
uh, its story. So, and even when that movie came out, right, the, it was rightfully criticized for like super simple racial politics, basically, like for the allegories they were making. Yeah, but you know what's great about Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service? <laughs> none of that. None of that none, stuff. It's, just, it's kids <laughs> being kids. You got giant freaking trolls, and then they learn to love the trolls, and they learn to survive, even though their mom is in the hospital and they don't know like what's going on with her. It is these movies really capture the uncertainty of um, being kids and being young. Uh, Totoro is great, great for super for very young children for toddlers. Uh, Kiki is such a such a masterful thing. I feel like it's a movie um, everybody should see like in high school or in college or certainly for their 20s because it's a movie entirely about knowing what you want to do but losing the essence of why you want to do it and feeling like a failure and going through those ebbs and flows that everybody goes through in their 20s basically. So it's a perfect movie as well. Love it. Devinder, you gotta you gotta get on that bluey train though, man. I, I've Blue. tried some bluey. She hasn't not really latched onto it, but I do like bluey. It's very cute. love bluey. Oh, yeah, so good. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching this week? Well, we already talked about you cannot kill David Arquette, uh, but also I got your I got your emails, Internet. I got I got your tweets. I got your messages. Uh, I got your your emphatic chastisement. About the world's toughest race. <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's, it's actually just world's toughest race. No, the. It's cleaner that way, Jeff. Oh, just a world's toughest race, I guess. I think it's uh, just world's toughest race. Yeah, the <laughs> show called Flores Lava. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I did it. I did it. I have watched four episodes of World's Toughest Race. And because I was implored to do so, so many people telling me, even though, even though, <laughs> fellas, in real time, we uh-huh. already got, we already got that happening literally in real time last week on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nevertheless, it did not prevent people from uh, reiterating yep. how wrong I was mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. world's toughest race, the, and. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get so, that in there. So I, uh, my mom was in town. I thought, oh, this will be fun. She, she, she will be into this. We'll, we'll, we'll check it out. So we watched, watched four episodes of uh, World's Toughest Race. And if you don't recall from last week, my biggest issue about this is in the late 90s slash very early 2000s, I was very much a big fan of the Eco Challenge on the Discovery Channel, which this is a resurrection of. This is a... The, the eco challenge has not been uh, has not been staged in fifteen years, I guess, something in a long time, twenty almost twenty years, and um, they brought it back, and they brought it back on Amazon Prime as a, a reality show uh, hosted by Bear Grylls. And I will say, dear internet, that you, all of you, were both right and oh so wrong, because. Yes, this is more watchable than I gave it credit for. Uh, Yes, the show does still focus to a large extent on the elite athletes, the elite adventure racers of the Eco Challenge. In fact, many of them legacy Eco Challenge racers from uh, from that time uh, who are are back even participating, even uh, though it has been many years since they were uh, racing. Uh, 
And I enjoyed seeing that. But anyone who implored me that said I did not give this a fair shake, which is true. I only watched two minutes of it before last week. Uh, but anyone saying, oh, oh, Jeff, you're so wrong about this, clearly never watched the Eco Challenge in its original form on the Discovery Channel because this is no fucking comparison to that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no fucking comparison. Uh, this is a reality show. And those old Discovery Channel shows existed in a time before reality shows were the norm. And so they didn't have any of those tropes. In fact, I went back and watched there you can, on YouTube. You can find the old eco challenge. There's a, there's a, like a four part YouTube video, uh, of, uh, eco challenge, uh, Argentina. That is narrated by Alan Rickman, you guys. Narrated by Alan Rickman in his dry-ass informational way. This is not reality television. This is dry, boring information. And that is how I want it. Uh, <laughs> for world's toughest race, I could use, I could use about approximately 100% less Bear Gryllis in the show would make it way much, way better. Bear Gryllis is all up in this, this show's reality television-ness. In fact, it's quite hilarious because every single one of the contestants that they talk to on the show refers to it as the Eco Challenge and Bear Gryllis relentlessly calls it world's toughest race. Well, that's just what you do in the world's toughest race. When you're here for world's toughest race, it's what, well, okay, well, are you going to continue with world's toughest race? And they're like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm, we're going to continue the eco challenge. Yes, yes, we are. We're going to do the eco challenge, which is what this is fucking called, not world's toughest race. It, 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 is, it, it is so offensive to my sensibilities, because I know what this was. I urge people to go watch Eco Challenge Argentina or I think Fiji's there. So it's a direct one-to-one -one comparison because they're in Fiji in the new one uh, and they do a lot of the same shit. This, this show was about the technique, the challenge, the, 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 the drama of the doing, not the drama of the feeling, right? Reality television brought, how do you feel about it to the table and made it all about that. Who are you doing this for? Who are you racing it for? And yes, there are some lovely storylines. There are some lovely storylines. There is a, um, a a guy racing who used to race in the old Eco Challenges who now has Alzheimer's and is his son is racing with him. These are heartfelt, beautiful stories that yes, I am not discounting the, the emotion of that, the, the, uh, um, the honesty of it. There's nothing manufactured about that. I'm not trying to undermine that, but it's just not nearly as compelling to me as a show about how do you do this? The, the world's toughest race almost completely ignores that question. It doesn't care about how, it just cares about why and who right? The, but for me, though, the how is so much more fascinating. The, hearing Alan Rickman talk about how people tie knots and what, what strategy they have in how they're approaching a specific kind of kayaking or mountaineering section is infinitely more fascinating. You learn about the country that they're in, the biomes that they're moving through, 
how people have to deal with different kinds of climate and different things that stresses on the human body and how fucking world's toughest race doesn't give a shit about that. They just, all they care about in that show is telling you it's tough, showing people break down, which is compelling television. It's hard and I, it, you, they show you people having a hard time with it, but there's no analysis, there's no science, there's no interest, it just doesn't care. All it cares about is the drama and the drama is present in those old Discovery Channel versions of the show, but not because they highlight it, but because it's just inherent in the process. Process extracts drama because knowing about how difficult the process is pulls me in. Anyway, so yes, it is much more watchable than I gave it credit for, but it is so not what this, it is, I am still as disappointed in the bastardization of this genuine contest uh, than, than as I was uh, a week ago. All right. Well, you know what, Jeff? I'm glad you gave it another shot. It shows you have an open mind. Yeah, so I do. Thanks to everyone, to. everyone, all those people for all their tweets and emails. There's a lot uh, of people. I forwarded every single one to Jeff. So, but that's World's Toughest Race <laughs> Eco Challenge Fiji. It's available right now on Prime Video. That's what we've been watching this week. We got weekly plugs in our review coming up. Before we get to any of that, we want to thank some people who donated to the podcast this week. Let's thank some donors. Uh, uh, someone writes in from uh, Pennsylvania. Ellen writes in from Pennsylvania. Hey, Slash Filmcast. Uh, my sister Kathleen lives in New York City and introduced me to the Slash Filmcast years ago. She turns 30 on September 9th. Whoa. And I was wondering if you'd give her a birthday shout out. So happy, happy birthday. birthday, Kathleen. Kathleen Woo. from Ellen in Pennsylvania. Happy um, birthday. Nathan Nathan Chaitin. I think <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Thanks, Julia man. Gulia? <laughs> Nathan Chaitin, thank you for your donation. Thanks to Stephen Theus and Nikolai Lukton for your donations as well. Bobby from Flowood has donated before. He writes in I listened to the Slash Homecast while working running heavy equipment in a small business. I have operated for 46 years. Listening to the opening beats of your theme song brings a smile to my face every time. Love the variety of takes in film and TV you bring each to the table. I think yours is the only group podcast I listen to. The others talk over each other and seem to be focused on each other rather than the audience. You three have a good time with each other while still respecting each other's opportunity to speak. Keep up the good work, old friends. You know, That's from Bobby Dave, from Fluid. Too, yep. few, uh, too few of our complimentary emails uh, take a shit on other podcasts you know what i'm saying like, we need more not just like don't just tell us that you enjoy our show tell us that other shows suck yes please please yeah that's what really matt, feeds us yeah <laughs> matt bad key writes uh this email and donations well overdue i've been listeners since the early quickly days and i've rarely missed an episode since i can still vividly remember the first time ryan johnson terrorized dave with a banjo dan trachtenberg's triumphant return as guest after making 10 cloverfield lake uh, lane or the week jeff went from being a guest who had overstayed his welcome to a regular host who has definitely overstayed his welcome hmm. just kidding love you jeff I was originally turned on to this podcast by my good friend Travis, who has since moved to Australia, but even with the distance, we still regularly get together online to discuss the programs and movies you bring up on the podcast, which has helped to keep our bond strong. I've lost count of how many great movies and programs I would have missed if it wasn't for your recommendations. For that, I'm extremely grateful. Finally, I wanted to mention, Devendra got me interested in the history of Indians in Guyana, 
However, I was appalled it's to Guyana, see... Guyana, Dave. Was... Come on. You've Guyana. known me for so long. Guyana. Wow. Disrespectful. How... However, I was appalled to see he was left off the list of notable Guyanese Indians on the Wikipedia page. I'm here to tell you that has now been corrected. You're welcome slash I'm sorry. Keep doing what you do. That's great. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that edit will not stick because I am certainly <laughs> not notable at all, but thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Let's uh, let's look up the notable guy. Uh, I know Guyanese. CCH Pounder is one. CCH Pounder um, is super cool. And... Notable Indo-Guyanese, right? That yeah. would be... Um, there are there is, yeah it looks like you are not here anymore um but there is uh, a Devendra Bishu the West Indian cricketer who's here cricketer sure. is here okay so, oh you're telling me that a cricketer is more important than our podcast I know uh, it's it is shocking yeah. to me as well anyway we, we we need to create riots like the way cricket matches create riots that's that's I mean, how you'll know we we try every week <laughs> If you want to support this podcast, go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Uh, you can donate there. You can also go to slashfilm.com, click on the slash filmcast uh, tab, and use the PayPal links on the side of the page. Never donate if it in any way causes you any hardship whatsoever. But if you want to throw some cash our way, we'd really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to talk about how I've been dealing with my own stress and anxiety, something we're all dealing with these days. And that's with Feels, which is premium CBD that's delivered right to your doorstep. It naturally helps you reduce stress, anxiety, pain, sleeplessness, any of those things. Uh, I use Feels in situations where I know I may need a little help relaxing. So that's maybe before a big interview. When we used to travel, it was really helpful for that. And I definitely will be taking it on future trips. Unlike the stuff you find at a lot of bodegas and drugstores, it's really high-quality CBD, and it's really easy to take, too. You just have to place a few drops under your tongue, and you'll feel something pretty quickly. Finding your right dose is definitely a thing you'll have to learn over time, but Feels also offers real human support to help you figure out which dosage you may actually want. And best of all, it works naturally, so you don't have a high or hangover or addiction to worry about. So I'd recommend joining the Feels community to get Feels delivered right to your door every month. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel at any time. And I'm just going to read a disclaimer here, which I think everybody should know. Representations regarding the efficacy and safety of Feels have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The FDA only evaluates food and drugs, not supplements like this product. This product is not intended to diagnose, prevent, treat, or cure any disease. Feels has really helped me deal with anxiety in many ways, and I hope it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash filmcast, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash filmcast to become a member and get 50% off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash filmcast. Uh, all right, let's get to our weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. All right, weekly plugs is the time of the week where we plug something we've been making or that we would recommend. 
I'll I'll throw out a weekly uh, plug. I host another podcast called Culturally Relevant. And on that podcast, I've been recording these coronavirus diary episodes in which I uh, assess what is going on in our world, talk about how I'm dealing with it. And uh, a lot of people have told me that they find them very meaningful. It helps them to cope with their own situations. Um, and by a lot of people, I'm saying like at least a dozen people. So there, there are dozens, dozens of fans out there. Dozens, or at least one dozen is what I can say. Yeah. Um, so check those out at Culturally Relevant. Uh, and I'll link to the latest one in the show notes. Uh, but culturallyrelevantshow.com is where you can find that podcast. Or you can just search Culturally Relevant wherever your podcast can be downloaded. Devinder Hardware. Dave, Dave oh. if, you, if you have 13 people... Do you get to say dozens because you're like you've started the second dozen or do you need yeah, to have just, 24 to have dozens? Yeah, I think it's 24. So I actually just yeah. meant to say dozen. Right. Uh, a, a dozen of people listen to us. But I kind of feel like if yeah. you've started your second dozen, you're like working, you know, your dozens, you're like you're, <laughs> you're more than a dozen, right? It's dozens. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll, I was kind of going to let you have that one. Yeah, yeah. You you were gonna let me have it, and then you opened your mouth, and then you didn't. Yeah. Let me have it. Okay, fair so, enough. Uh, anyway, that's uh, the coronavirus diaries at uh, culturallyrelevantshow.com. dot com. What have uh, what's a weekly plug you want to recommend? I uh, just want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast that we did. Um, there was a lot of news last week, a lot of geeky PC hardware news, but I talked a lot about NVIDIA's new RTX three thousand GPUs, which sound insane and are super expensive. There's one that is $1,500. But in a weird way, these things are also a crazy good deal for people who care about this sort of stuff. So that's exciting. Uh, Intel has some new CPUs, and we talked about the Galaxy Z Fold 2, Samsung's new folding phone, and uh, we didn't talk about the... kind of All this is related to the new gaming stuff happening this year, and there are some leaks happening right now as we're recording around the Xbox Series X and Series S. It's all very exciting. Uh, we'll certainly be talking about that next week, too. So go check out the Engadget podcast. You know, Davindra, those uh, those 30 series uh, GPUs are are expensive until you consider there are only three viewings of Mulan. It's true. <laughs> That's how math works. I, yeah. I'm actually excited. This is like, you know, I, I have not been into PC gaming for a really long time, but I this caught my attention. I'm going to get one of these PCs if it's even available this holiday season, which it may not be, right? Like, yeah, who knows? yeah, good luck. Like, that that, that has been the story with GPU hardware for the past couple of years because freaking Bitcoin miners and and stuff like had been eating them all up. Hopefully, a lot of that has uh, has lessened, but yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I think the thirty seventy, which is the four ninety nine card, which is supposedly faster than the old eleven hundred dollar video card from two years ago, that's a pretty decent amount of power there. So, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff. And then, yeah, new consoles. So it's going to be a fun year for gamers. Yeah. I mean, for those who have no idea what we're talking about, basically, NVIDIA announced these incredible cards that like blow video cards that blow everything else away. Yeah. It's going to completely reinvent how people game and view media and edit media online uh, on the on the computer, I should say. And I am really excited about it. Super so check exciting. out Devendra's Engadget podcast discussing all that stuff. How about you, Jeff Kanata? What's your weekly plug? Not a great week for me to lose my job. Anywho. Um, <laughs> the, uh, oh, man. The, uh, it's not going to stop me from pre-ordering one of these things. Um, <laughs> your kids, again, your kids they don't, don't need have to eat. To eat. They yeah. don't need to eat. You know, I just, I, I, what I'm going to do now is just uh, plop them in front of my neighbor Totoro, and uh, they, they don't need food after that. Um, no, uh, this is a big one. This is a big one for me. 
You have undoubtedly, if you listen to the show, heard me talk about a show I do called The Dungeon Run, which is my live play Dungeons & Dragons show. It's basically like my version of Lord of the Rings. I am the dungeon master. I'm inventing the story. Five players are playing through it. Uh, and I'm really, really proud of it. People have been extremely complimentary to the show. I mean, it's truly the thing I'm most proud of in my entire career. I, I'm putting my heart and soul into it and inventing a world. I, there's a big map and there's all kinds of characters and I'm voicing all of them. It's it's wild and it's really, really fun. You don't have to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons to enjoy it. But a lot of people, when I talk about it, say, wait, how many episodes are there? 62? Ah, it's too many. I can't, I, there's no way I could... Uh, it's just overwhelming to catch up on that. And I understand, which is why this week we made a 20-minute YouTube video that tells you all you need to know to jump right in at episode 63. Why? Well, because when coronavirus started, we started a side quest that ended up taking 22 weeks to tell, which was this wild time-traveling adventure where the cast went back in time. And this week, they return to the main storyline. It's a really big, crescendo, climactic moment that I've been building to for a long, long time. So you can jump right in and join the story now. All you gotta do is watch this 20-minute video. I think the video is really well done. It was made by a fan and me working together. It shows a lot of what makes the show special. We have an animatronic puppet. There's all kinds of wild stuff. So jump on the dungeon run and uh, don't worry about all the backstory you need to know because you can just watch this 20-minute video. Uh, you can find the video at jeffcanada.com, which is spelled with two N's and one T. It's also at the Caffeine, uh, on the Caffeine YouTube channel, which is the company that makes Dungeon Run. Um, but or we also or even easier, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yes, so you don't even need notes. to leave the app that you're using right now. Just go to the show notes. We'll link Clicky. to all the weekly plugs. 20 minutes. Just give it a shot. I think you'll see what makes the show so special. I'm really proud of it. All right. That's uh, our weekly plugs for this week. Let's get to our review of Mulan. Do you know why the phoenix sits on the right hand of the emperor? She is his guardian. His protector. That she's both beautiful and strong. Your job is to bring honor to the family. Do you think you can do that? Citizens, we are under attack from northern invaders. Their leader calls himself Bori Khan. Fights alongside a witch. No survivors. By edict of his imperial majesty, every family must contribute one man to fight. Have you no son? I am blessed with two daughters. I will fight. We must be strong. This time he will not return. That was from the trailer for Disney's new live-action remake of Mulan, uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A young Chinese maiden disguises herself as a male warrior in order to save her father. Joining us today on the Slash Filmcast for our review of Mulan, Nancy Wong Yun is a sociologist and the author of Real Inequality, Hollywood Actors and Racism. She's been featured and quoted in publications such as NPR, PBS, BBC World TV, The New York Times, and HuffPost. Nancy, welcome to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. 
Great to have you on. Uh, I've been following your work on Twitter for quite some time, so it was great to be able to have you on uh, to discuss Mulan. I saw you were quoted in a New York Times article about the last Mulan, right? Is that right? Yes. Uh, I was interviewed about how essentially how Asian American girls <laughs> saw themselves for the first time and uh, and how important that is for representation. So uh, it's been a couple decades since the last Mulan. And, yeah, you must have been uh, like four when they first interviewed you, right? <laughs> Actually, it was uh, it was six months ago. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think people were already gearing up uh, for this live action. But yes, <laughs> uh, it's been a couple decades. Uh, there's been many uh, Disney live action remakes that have come and gone, and uh, I will just uh, be generous and say that the Disney live action remake track record has been mixed at best. So I was approaching this Mulan with a great deal of apprehension, but also hope. Uh, I'd gotten pretty amped up by some of those trailers. Uh, So all that said, Nancy, uh, what did you think of this 2020 version of Mulan? Oh gosh, I have such mixed feelings. I wrote a review and I said lots of uh, good things about it. I saw it and I was I was always very critical of Asian American stuff when I first see it, partly because it's like, I feel like, oh my gosh, you know, these kind of representational sweat it, sweats, you know, where you want everything to, to go well. Because... <laughs> representational sweats is an amazing, uh, amazing turn of phrase. Trademark that. I didn't come up with it, but yeah, it's, uh, I think when, uh, I think it might've been um, Jenny Yang and Phil Yu uh, talking about Fresh Off the Boat, right? When Fresh yes. Off the Boat came okay. out, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's our first fan- family series in so long. Is it going to be any good? And so I, I feel that way every time I felt that way with Crazy Rich Asians, you know, I feel that way now with Mulan. And so I feel like I go in with very, very, high critical self-criticism then criticism and just worried and so i i have to see it a couple of times and i i definitely liked it for a disney live action and that was the review that i gave it i feel like uh, i wanted it to be good i was i had mixed feelings about it because you know going in there was all this controversy about the politics of Louis Fay. And then late recently I found out that Donnie Yen, they're, you know, they're pro communist party police in, you know, Hong Kong. And so um, I, I went into really feeling, I just didn't know what to expect. Right. I wanted yeah, to be and good. We should just pause for a moment and point out like what, what you're describing, right? Louis right. Fay, who plays the the main character of Mulan in this film uh, came out in support of Hong Kong police, who in recent days have been taking pretty drastic actions to suppress Hong Kong protesters. I think, you know, tell me if she, you she's think really this is... taking this movie to heart. You know, that's just it. It's part of the marketing bit. T- tell me, the government. T- tell me if you think this analogy is is good. But it would be like probably if like the main actor <laughs> of a new film coming out in America was like, you know, I believe in Blue Lives Matter, which sure, is like, sure, sure. you know. Uh, that that is a potentially defensible position for it. Like many people in this country would likely support that, but also a lot of people would not be okay with that. Yeah, um, maybe more directly, it would be like coming out in support of the NYPD in the middle of the the crazy protests and everything. Sure, happening. some so, something yeah. like so, some something like that. Nancy, do you think that's like a fair analogy? What do you think? I think so. Although I think, yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to think about the kind of historical 
relationship i think the relationship between china and hong kong is a little bit more complex yeah, yeah. than just Fair kind enough. of our police and ourselves but um yeah and i think that it, and hong kong has been you know colonized by the british mm-hmm. and now it's china so yeah the history is a little bit different but i think that maybe for just our general audience u.s audience understanding i think that's cl- as close as we can get yeah very rough and you're right um uh it, it's much more complicated than that but i just kind of trying to give people like a, a general analogy that said, yeah, it's it's been very controversial, and there's been a boycott Mulan movement that has sprung up because of her remarks. So going in to watch this movie was already like pretty fraught, right? Yeah, and also also don't forget Nikki Caro as director, where a lot of people you know were saying why why isn't a Chinese person directing this movie, and why Nikki yeah. Caro of all people, who <laughs> I love I love Whale Rider, that's a great movie, um, but it does seem weird and random. So all that said, Nancy, what did you actually think of the film? It was okay. <laughs> I think, uh, so when I, I wrote my very first film review for, for io9 for it, and I think I, um, I went into it wanting to kind of write down all my critiques. And then they asked me at the end, like, what do you think, you know, how, how would you recommend the film? So I thought if I were to ask, be asked by just, you know, a friend or somebody, would I recommend the film? I thought, you know what? I would recommend it in terms of the content was fun and it was better than most, you know, live actions prior. And so it was, it was with that mindset that I wrote the review, but I, you know, I felt like mixed. I just felt mixed overall. Mm. Well, what did you like uh, and what did you not like about the film? Well, what I liked was that I loved seeing the the martial arts. I thought the martial arts was, you know, it was great for Disney. It was not something that I'd seen before, you know, because it was such a different take. It was probably the most different from the um, previous animated classic because they didn't, they got rid of the music, right? That was huge. They got rid of the song, the music falls, numbers, and then they got rid of Mushu, who was so beloved and and I think they replaced that with martial arts action sequences, right? That I mean, the original had some you know action for sure, but what was the the kind of spectacle was the martial arts. And I thought that it, you know they did a good job. I mean, people have mixed feelings about it, but I thought that for Disney, um, it was it was even better than you know I've watched so many of the Marvel films, and I always I'm always kind of like bored actually by those action sequences. <laughs> and I think that seeing at least like people like you know Donnie Yen, Jet Li, and just some of the the people that have cred, right, in martial arts being on screen, that was kind of exciting. And I liked Gong Li. I wish there was more of her, but I really liked her. So she was a brand new character that was added. And I thought that she was a great addition. Uh, and what were you not as big of a fan of? <laughs> so I wrote about, I thought, I was kind of tired of seeing the Chinese family as patriarchal and and <laughs> repressive, right? That was something that was in the original animation. And somehow, somehow, you know, when when the live action, when you see actually actual people enacting it, it feels so much worse, right? Um, it's kind of like um the beauty and the beast when 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 you see like an actual person going with the beast, you know, that when Belle actually goes <laughs> with the beast and decides to stay imprisoned and falls in love, it, it was like it sent such a bad message to young yeah. girls. You know? it, it certainly doesn't help that I feel like every other line in this movie script is like honor don't don't dishonor your family this is all about your family and honor and loyalty oh man 
Yeah, so the, it felt like there were stereotypes that were being reinforced. <laughs> and I mean, I, there were things I didn't even write about. I was I was annoyed that they spoke, most of them spoke with accents when I thought, you know, accented English. So these are like Rosalind Chow, you know, like people who don't speak English with necessarily, a, you know, kind of a quote unquote uh, foreign international accent because they're in China. Why are they speaking with accents? I didn't, I didn't understand that. I just, that that's always kind of annoying to me when they, when it's like, that's the authenticity, you know, to make them Chinese, they have to speak English with an accent when they're in China. So anyways, a little things like that. Um, yeah. I would I say the accent situation was very bad overall mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. you, th- the parents of Mulan arguably spoke better English than Mulan herself, which makes no sense, obviously. But that's, I think that is the case in real life as well, right? And those, also those lots actors. of bad dubbing throughout this movie too, like in random scenes. Because I think yeah. in Jet Li's scenes in particular, you could tell like, oh, he is – I don't think he's really he's dubbed or eighty art or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I think I think the action the, the the accents are a bit of a mess. I agree with you there. Um, but yeah, it sounds like a mixed bag for you, Nancy. Uh, let me ask Devendra Hardware. What did you think of uh, of Mulan? Well, that was a movie. I think. I. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I. Listen, I was I was very excited for this, uh, despite all the controversy and despite like. The idea of Ang Lee doing this movie, which was like the apparently the person Disney went to first and he was busy, uh, probably with Gemini Man, I figure, uh, which is a travesty. It, it, on it the is high level. frame rate stuff he had to work on. And so. his high frame rate stuff, which give me Milan and high frame rates. OK, um, but yeah, this movie, it's just like it's not much of anything. You could tell that they thought about the story and kind of how they could maybe make it more nuanced or maybe more layered uh, by taking away the animals and like the musical aspects of it. Um, th- there are more characters throughout. There are multiple villains. Uh, the the character who Gong Li plays, I believe, is not in the original movie because I have not, uh, I haven't seen that since that came out. But she, you know, that, she is an interesting parallel to to Mulan, both very powerful, you know, martial artists with, uh, with their great chi powers. But I, I realized as this movie was going on, this movie is just Crouching Tiger, but dumber. <laughs> and that's really, that's really it. You have the young girl with tremendous chi power who doesn't know what to do with it. And she has to hide it. And, um, you know, then then you have the counterpart, the, the super powered evil witch who also has the power. By the way, tons of people from Crouching Tiger are in this movie, including Pepe Chang, uh, the, the matchmaker who is who was Jade Box in Crouching Tiger. This movie seems like a... Kind of a weird and tired mishmash of both Hero, which, uh, you know, yeah, Jet Li and Don Yen were also in, um, and Crouching Tiger. And not as like, and it didn't really do much that I thought was super interesting. I don't know who Milan is as a character other than she has the chi, she's got the glow, you know, she's got the power, she's got to hide it. But I don't know much about her personally. Um there's there so much of the movie felt robotic. The characters felt like the stock people you'd see her fighting with. Um, the conflict just felt very rote. Even though I had seen this movie before and I knew where it was all going, it just didn't feel like there was anything super exciting or surprising about it. Uh, I will say this movie looks very. I I don't know if I'd say it looks good. It looks very interesting. It looks very bold. Uh, I think it's a very very expensive Dolby Vision HDR demo. Basically, mm. because every single color in this movie is cranked up to like 20 
on a scale of 10 um, it, it, from the opening shots too, like every colors everybody's wearing, uh, at least on the TVs. Uh, I watched in a couple of different sets here. If you have the Dolby Vision, if you have that stuff, or if you have HDR in general, you'll see, you know, popper, popular colors. Um, some, some colors don't even make sense. Like at one point they're, they're fighting on the neon, neon green spa field of some kind. Like it just <laughs> seems like they really push the colors just for the sake of doing it. The action, I feel like there were some really interesting things, including some cool camera movements. Some of the choreography was good, but I really hated like every most Western movie, I guess. Uh, by the time you get to some of the good action, they're just cutting every half a second where I can't even see who's punching who clearly, or at least I can't see if like if the person who started the punch actually finished the punch and it just happened throughout the entire movie that it, it got to be really grating. There's some cool stuff. It feels like a fun B grade martial arts movie to me. You know, it's it's super cheesy. You know exactly where it's going. You've got the you've got the like very, very uh overt Wisha you know, wireworks, which I, I think sometimes it looks cool. Sometimes it's just kind of nonsensical, but I couldn't get over the fact that this movie, the, the basic um, structure of it just feels like crouching tiger all over again, except not, except not, not a masterpiece, you know? And that's a tough thing. Um, I imagine if Ang Lee had directed this movie, maybe it would have been a little more interesting because he loves to actually focus on characters. But yeah, I, uh, all, all I can think about is like the movie, this isn't. A couple thoughts I want to go off of before I throw it to Jeff Kanata. Um, one of them is, uh, I mean, we've mentioned it, but I actually really loved the original Mulan, right? Like oh, yeah? uh, the, the 1998 animated film. That movie was awesome, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. movie I grew up with, like uh, I cherish that movie. Uh, Nancy, based on your uh, quote in the New York Times, seemed like you were kind of a fan of it. Am I right about that? Yeah, I thought it was an important piece. I mean, it was it made a big difference. It was a Chinese quote unquote princess. I mean, mm-hmm. warrior, but yeah. but that was a huge historical moment for for the Disney princess franchise. And yeah, I, I just think that you can't you can't discount how many young girls really were impacted by that. Yeah. Um, so uh, the original Mulan was awesome and very beloved, um, and. Also, the music of that movie still holds up to this day, in my opinion. I, l- I love listening to that soundtrack. So uh, anyway, just wanted to voice my my love of that movie. Um, but it's so weird how they've changed the live action version. And Devinder, you hinted at one of those things, which is that uh, Mulan has midichlorians now. Um, sure. she ha- she's basically a superhero. In the original Mulan, the animated film, uh, she had to uh, kind of succeed through courage and grit. ingenuity and yeah. grit and hard work. And in this movie, it's who cares about any of that stuff? She's just it's better just, than all of you. She's, she's just better, better because of because she's letting her chi go. She's letting it go, uh, Frozen style. You see, um, and uh, that is just. Um, I think that's like a bad. That's a bad development. I, I don't like that change. I think, it's like, very much like B grade martial arts movie. You know, can it I is say like, something about that? Actually, yeah. Yeah, so I think I, I I totally hear you, and I think that as a woman, I actually appreciated what that meant because I thought, you know, there are so many times when women have to repress themselves and they don't know what their talent is anymore because they're so used to having to survive in a man's world. And, and this is kind of a rediscovery of self. It's a more of a coming of age, I think, mm-hmm. um, plot line. Yes, not through hard work, but through 
uh, reclaiming and re-emerging of what has always been there. So that right, that, right. that was my interpretation of, of a positive, actually, in terms of what you mentioned uh, Devinder, earlier about Gong Li, the kind of, you know, um, not a foil exactly or ally. I don't know. I mean, but yeah. with the kind Spoilers, of, you know, what... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know where she is, right? So yeah. she is, um, sorry. <laughs> I don't know that character. I don't know why she does the thing she does. That is the problem right. with this movie. Yeah. For sure. yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. She's 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 complex, but not <laughs> enough lines to make it really complex. Right. Where right. she's like mysterious, which is not the same as complex necessarily. Right? That's right. That's why she's mysterious. Yeah. But I yeah. think that having this, um, I mean, I think with Nikki Caro's kind of cred in, in creating a more feminist and woman as leader uh, trope, you know, I think that that's what she was going with. And I, I didn't mind that so much. So right, just right, putting right. it out there. I, I don't want to also sound like uh, clearly the movie sets up that, oh, she has been training her whole life. Like we see earlier scenes of her training, like she has put in the work. It's just the in on a, on a functional level, what it comes down to is is just super chi powers, which I can get behind. I can totally get behind. I've seen enough martial arts movies where it's just chi power versus chi power, but I didn't expect that to be this movie. You know, I don't think they would call it chi powers in, in some of the other movies too. I think yeah. they're kind of like yeah. reappropriating it, the concept of chi into something else. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time for me to jump in here and talk about our sponsor, Candid. You know those things that you always tell yourself you want to do, but you haven't done it. Well, for my wife, one of those things was having straighter teeth and a better smile. She always was a little unsatisfied with her bottom teeth, and she finally was done putting it off, finally was done just living with it, and went with Candid. Thanks to Candid, strengthening her teeth was simpler, easier, and more comfortable than ever She's done this. She has gone through the entire process. It was, uh, I think it was several months of wearing her clear aligners, which are comfortable, removable, and practically invisible. I hardly ever knew if she was wearing them or not. She would just uh, all of a sudden go, I'm taking them out, pop them right out. It was super simple. This is not like wire braces. You you transform your smile without anyone even noticing, including your husband. I didn't even, I couldn't even really tell. Uh, and your treatment is prescribed and monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. And it's all done from the comfort and convenience of your own home. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to worry about appointments. You just get it sent to you. It's cool. It has a little box that comes with all the information you need. You take pictures. And uh, Candid only works with orthodontists. You never have general dentists like other companies. Plus, your supervising orthodontist will be with you every step of the way. With Candid, your treatment includes remote monitoring by the same orthodontist who created your plan. So you never have to wonder how you're doing. You'll always know, which is so nice. My wife loved that. The average Candid treatment is just six months. It's so funny. I didn't even realize how long it was. (laughs) One, because time has no meaning in this weird world we're living in now. But second, because I never knew if my wife was wearing them or not because they're practically invisible. But you'll start seeing results way before six months, and it costs thousands less than braces. So start straightening your teeth today. Right now, all the listeners to Slash Filmcast can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to candidco.com slash filmcast and use the promo code filmcast. That's candidco.com slash, and then the word filmcast. And the promo code is filmcast. That's C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Promo code 
Filmcast. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. CandidCO.com slash Filmcast. Promo code Filmcast. Jeff Kanata, you've stayed silent for too long. What, have, what, what did you think about Mulan? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts about Mulan are best summed up in the form of a limerick. You know, we should probably explain to Nancy like what, what you're doing here. Ah, yes. Uh, apologies, Nancy. Um, this podcast is not a democracy. Uh, <laughs> it is a dictatorship. And uh, there has been a uh, decree from on high from our, our leader that says, I must, for fear of termination, deliver a limerick every episode. So I... Uh, fearfully and humbly submit this as my limerick yeah, for the week. I, I don't agree with all of that characterization, but, you know, it's close enough. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> when Disney realized they could, they never asked if they should. For this remake, here's my hot take. At least the cinematography's good. <laughs> so, not so much of a fan, huh, Jeff? Uh... We haven't mentioned the fact that this podcast represents, the four of us here represents a $120 investment <laughs> in watching this movie, uh-huh. which uh-huh. I think bears mentioning, you know? Uh, it would have been lovely if we lived in a, in a world where we could have all just hung out in the same room and watched this for 30 bucks total. Uh, instead, the four of us each had to pay 30 bucks on top of our Disney Plus subscriptions to watch this. Um, anyway, I, I agree with a lot of what has been said, although I, in contrast to Devendra, thought visually it is spectacular. I loved it. Maybe I am. Lots of colors. Yes. Maybe I am yes. simple. Maybe I am simple and starved of, uh, hundred plus million dollar budgets, uh, in this six months that I haven't seen any really very few. Um, but. I turned this on. I, I, my son's fourth birthday was this weekend. My mom is in town. So my watching was uh, rearranged. And I ended up watching this in my office with my video game playing TV, which... Your good TV. Your great my, well, TV. The OLED. My, my OLED yeah. TV. Not my big TV, but my... And, and when it turned on, when I clicked play on this after I put in my money, my $30 monies uh, to play this, <laughs> I, uh, I clicked play and then I saw this little icon come up in the, in the top right corner that said HDR. And I went... Oh yeah, I forgot oh, yeah. that was possible. And also, also wow. Jeff, that icon should be saying Dolby Vision, so we should chat. I, yes. I know. I know. Okay. Uh, anyway, I it was eye popping. I I don't think I think you uh, are correct in saying that that the colors are amplified uh, to the point of being um, almost garish. But but uh, I think that obviously was a choice. This is based on an animated film. I think there was a, a choice to make everything right. really pop. And the animated movie is more muted than the live action movie. It's insane. It, it is absolutely a hundred percent, but I kind of loved it. And I think the movie is shot gorgeously. I think the mm-hmm. composition of shots is exquisite. I think, I mean, there are, there are very uh, impressive sort of large scale action moments with armies fighting each other and and the choreography of all that and people riding on horseback doing extraordinary things and uh cities that are composed of all these wonderful colors i mean every shot 
of Jet Li sitting on a throne in like golden light with gold all around. It's exquisite. And yeah. that, that's not HDR, lighting, by the way. That's just what Jet Li looks like. Yeah, that's right just so that's just that's the just Jet Li how effect. It happens. Yeah. yeah, he is truly son of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't doubt that one bit. Um, they had to turn all that off when he was in. Uh, <laughs> Well, um, the one? weapon. I was going to say lethal weapon. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, uh, and and on you know on my uh, OLED TV in uh, in HDR, I was thinking to myself like there, there's a chance that this looks better than it would have if I'd seen this in a theater, right? Absolutely, there's, absolutely. Are, by the way, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, that was unexpected. <laughs> you know, I I would have spent half the money to see it, but. Uh, it uh, it was uh, unexpected. You are really bitter about that thirty dollars, huh? No, I'm just making a I'm making a making a gag out of it. But I you know I do think it's crazy, especially because the movie's going to be free for Disney Plus owners in like a month. It's, December fourth. Wild 4th. to me that I did that. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's I don't think my both of my kids have to eat this week. Um, <laughs> uh, it was my kid. It was my son's fourth birthday. He doesn't need as many presents as he normally would. Daddy's in the room watching this $30 movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I have a couple of things to say about the, the film. I think you guys have covered it pretty well. I, I found this movie to be fine. It's fine, right? It's not yeah, as, yeah. Uh, as I think, as bad as, for example, the Aladdin remake, which I found to be just like a paint-by-numbers wrote kind of why are we even doing this exercise right um this at least has a take it, yeah it has a different take on yeah. the story it has yeah. a it has a raison d'etre right it has a, a reason to exist it, it it is saying hey what if mulan was pg-13 you know what if what if it was like made for a little bit older people what and- if you got to see mulan murder like 30 <laughs> dudes on screen i mean you know <laughs> theoretically that's what she did in the first movie too. We just like it's just for kids, and we're so we're not we're not mentioning it, you know. <laughs> um, and this movie, it, it has some moments where I was genuinely entertained and thrilled. That, like you guys have mentioned, the martial arts is is really uh, well done for the most part, and there are big sequences that are really fun to watch. And I found um, the the lead woman uh, to be pretty. Uh, interesting and compelling and i thought she was had a great screen presence i would there's a lot about the movie that's 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 pretty good it's just not really much to it and it it's strange to me like here i am saying in on one hand i like that it had a take and on the other hand it feels like the take is hey the original mulan's music is entirely forgettable right it's like disney saying nobody cares about the original Mulan's music because I I say that because there's no universe in which you make the Lion King or Aladdin a non-musical. There's no universe where you make either of those movies, the live action version of them, not a musical because those songs are absolutely iconic and essential, right? And so it seems like the fact that Disney can go, and nobody will miss the songs kind of disses the songs and it it, it's unfortunate to me because i do think that music for the original mulan is is pretty good um good thing jeff they replaced it with a truly memorable score (laughs) (laughs) wow that is really freaking harsh well let let me just say (laughs) um, i like so harry grixon williams did this one and he 
his rendition is it the Mulan theme or like the major song from the movie? I think is pretty well that done. Is that reflection? Okay, yeah, yeah. Christina Aguilera. Am I the? Am I taking yeah. crazy pills here? Like no yeah. one. No, I saw okay, Mulan anyway. once and never went back to it. Okay, no, like, no, no. Uh, that I'm was sorry, where dude. that was the emotional kind of nostalgia, right? When the yeah, yeah. orchestral reflection comes on every yeah. time. Yeah. I, I think mean, that's cheers good. flowed. I think for yes, a lot the of song people. is amazing. Okay, but the rest of the score in this movie is just the sound. Like it feels like he resampled all the sounds and bombs and horns he's used in every single score for the past yeah. twenty years. Like it is, man. It's not. It's not man. necessarily his his best work. But anyway, sorry. So Jeff, you you were saying uh, about the music and what else about the movie? Well, I just think that it 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 speaks volumes in the fact that they feel like they can excise it. Mm-hmm. safely right they can and nobody's gonna i don't i just don't think there's any room where somebody suggests making a live action lion king without the songs you know Mm -hmm. like they're part of the experience that is right that you know you can't separate out so jungle book went like halfway remember like there were yeah i just have like the two songs everybody knows yeah (laughs) yeah yeah uh anyway all of that is to say i basically agree with everybody that's spoken so far it you know it's 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 a fine movie. I think I I have a hard time knowing what I would think of this movie if it was in the context of a summer where I was bombarded with a bunch of big, colorful, right. $120 million extravaganzas. Um, but in the, the fact that we don't have very many of those at all, we've had basically, basically this is like the biggest, brightest movie I've seen in a long time. It kind of was like, wow, oh yeah, I, I remember what movies that cost a shit ton of money look like, yeah. and it's kind of great, you know? It's Wow, movies can look really good when you spend a lot of money on them. Uh, this, is, this ain't no King of Staten Island you're watching. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I was I was like, this is better than Bill and Ted. Wow, look at that. They must have spent double what Bill and Ted was made for. Um <laughs> <laughs> so you know i i like i got i guess i got my 30 bucks worth but um it, i i don't think this is a great movie and it, it yeah it, it, i i basically agree with that what everyone has said yeah um this movie was originally supposed to come out i think in march of 2020 right yeah. so way way back like yeah, right this, people i i got invited yeah. to the to the, the premiere, premiere yeah and i didn't go because i thought oh, i'll just see it next week when it's in the movies theater across the street from my house and i have friends that went and and saw it in a movie theater yep. and it's like yep. they're you know they're like unicorns you know like yeah. you saw this movie in a theater there's very few people that can say that is it possible Talk yeah, about missed yeah. life opportunities. You will always regret this, Jeff. <laughs> you, you'll yeah. always regret not seeing Mulan. <sighs> yeah. That's right. By the way, the last uh, people ever to be able to do that. So, oh man, um, Vinger, go ahead. Before we move over to spoilers, because I, I feel like that is coming on soon, I, I just want to throw a shout out to Jason Scott Lee, who plays yeah. the yes. villain in this movie. The guy, the, the guy who played Bruce Lee in Dragon, the Bruce yeah. Lee, who I I have loved as an actor, and he has not really shown up in much. He is in Balls of Fury, which is a dumb <laughs> comedy that I really enjoy. Um, but he's in that. And that's the, that's the most memorable recent thing I can see him from. I just saw back to the future two today and, mm. and notice he had a cameo or a, oh, yes. not a cameo. I guess he was, <laughs> it was one of his first <laughs> films, film appearances, but I was like, Oh my gosh, that's Jason Scott Lee. I think he says the line, like it doesn't have enough power or something like that. Right. <laughs> yes, About the yes. hoverboard. Yeah. yeah. He was a villain then. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he wearing yeah. a he's wearing a funny hat too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean the cast overall is great. Uh love seeing Yosin on in this movie, playing a nice sexy Asian man, you know, always great to see that in in a movie. 
Um, he was amazing. Amazing. Yeah, he's going to be a breakout, breakout. Lots of shirtless, sure. lots of shirtless time. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good shit. Um, but yeah, love, love the cast. Donnie Yen, uh, Gong Lee, Jet Li, you know, uh, Tai Ma, um, uh, Rosalind Chalik, really, uh, basically many Asian actors who have either been in the background of dozens of, of movies them. in the past or yeah. you know or have had main starring roles in movies and so it's great to see them all here and uh it, it's it's good you brought that up i, I do want to get to spoilers but it's good it's good you brought that up because i think really what this movie is to me is it's kind of like some uh, this movie is directed by a white person written and produced by white people it's populated with asian actors but it really feels like a white person's version of mm-hmm. what a Chinese story is mm-hmm. um, in many ways. Uh, one of those ways being like uh, the fact that everyone is talking about like honor and stuff like that. And you know, my, wife brought this, yes. <laughs> my wife brought this point up that like uh, stuff that is completely in like I- inscribed in your being, like stuff that is like fundamental to your core nature you don't necessarily talk about that all the time. You know, you don't necessarily say like, I will bring honor to my family, you know, because you just bring honor to your family. You don't say it, you know? I I feel like a good movie would be about, you know, wordlessly talking about the boundaries of society that prevent you from being with the person you love. Hey, Crouching Tiger, a perfect movie. (laughs) Once again. I I think, uh, yeah, the, the problem is like a lot of the themes in the dialogue are super clunky. And also the character of Mulan herself uh is just a, a void in my mm-hmm. opinion mm-hmm. i mean she, the the performer yifei lu um does a great job of uh like she brings an awesome physicality to the role uh, like she is graceful in her movements she looks amazing when she fights it's very very plausible to me uh i think the, the physical the physical work that she brought is really beyond reproach but in terms of the emoting in terms of the range there's just not that much there. And, you know, say what you will about Mushu the Dragon, who uh, obviously I, I could find a number of problems with that as, a, as, a, <laughs> as an idea, as a concept. But it gave Mulan someone to bounce off of for the entire movie. Right. right? It gave right. Mulan someone to interact with and react to. Because she spends the whole and, movie just not not saying right? anything. She doesn't right? talk with anyone. Yeah. She doesn't talk with anyone. And so uh, you you barely get a sense of who this person is. And that ultimately is the biggest problem with the movie. It looks awesome. I well, a lot of people have been like dumping on how the movie looks. They're like, this looks like it was shot on a set. And it's like, okay, um, I, I had a different experience. You know, I thought it actually looked great. And, you know, seeing all those horses like attack the Chinese army, it reminded me of like the Battle of the Bastards on Game of Thrones. And I remember reading articles about the Battle of the Bastards and how they made that scene and how like making sure the horses all had a place to shit was like a massive undertaking. And it's like, these things just take a lot of work to put together. And all that work for me was on screen. Um, so I love the, the look of it. But ultimately, I think the the movie hinges on the character of Mulan. It is called Mulan. The movie is titled Mulan. And I just don't think that character was super compelling, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least uh, there's no love story. That's something. I, yeah, I appreciate you know, that. Although, although, you know, arguably for the worst, because I think a lot of people <laughs> were lamenting yeah, that General Shang in the original uh, movie theoretically is a bisexual character because he is 
kind of into Mulan both before and after uh, she is revealed to be a woman. And so like kind of some LGBTQ representation on there. I, I kind of get uh, the feeling with, the, with what's his face in this movie yeah. too. Yosin so. character. Yeah yeah. 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 I think that was implied that there was some attraction that he didn't understand yet. You know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to find you taking a bath out here in the moonlight all by <laughs> yeah. yourself. Just, just by accident. You just know? dive in. That's what, that's what guys yeah. do, right? They just yeah. dive in. Bros they, being bros. I wish I could talk to girls like I talked to you. You know, that's that's that scene, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Also, uh, you know that scene where she I love I kind of liked her relationship with her sister. Mm-hmm. I wish there'd been more about more of that. Obviously, it's hard when she leaves home at the beginning of the movie, but um, you know that scene where uh she gets all all done up and is about to be presented to to the to the matchmaker. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know what she's wearing in that scene, Dave? What? Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this is a low point for the Slash film cast, everybody. I'm so sorry, Nancy. Yeah. I'm so sorry you had to be I don't here know if we're going to recover. Do you, do you, do you hear what I said? Because she's wearing a lot of makeup in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's been a lot of critique of her makeup and the costumes on, on social media that people mm-hmm. are like, you're going to make us look like Party City or the ugliest version <laughs> of, even if it's authentic. I think it has to do with the kind of very flashy colors again that it's just over the top but yeah <laughs> a lot of rouge a lot of rouge yeah, maybe too much rouge, rouge. M- of the moulin yeah. variety perhaps. Moulin rouge, like, yeah. and, and by <laughs> the way I, I may sound crazy talking about the colors and stuff like i am but if you if you have a modern tv basically if you go through best buy probably when, when we can actually set foot in stores again um this will be the movie they use to demo a lot of tvs like that's i can guarantee it because it just it looks so striking so that's, I think that's the main thing. It really sells a lot of this advanced technology. Uh, the way this movie looks, the way it uses color would not have been possible five years ago. That's kind of where we are right now. So I think that's pretty interesting. All right, let's get to spoilers for uh, Mulan starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right, let's talk about spoilers for Mulan uh, right now. Uh, so uh, let's let's start with the end. I thought the ending was pretty rough. Like all the stuff with the Phoenix was pretty pretty bad, pretty clunky. Um, Jet Li's dialogue at the end was just god awful, in my opinion. You know, he's like rise like the phoenix i'm just like oh this is this is this is kind of an extension of what i was talking about earlier right of yeah. like just you don't have um, to say everything yeah you, you don't need to say everything out loud all that said all that said nancy like what did you think of it i'm just sharing my opinion obviously i think it's like it's just okay you know <laughs> what we've been saying this whole time i thought that yeah it, it felt like kind of anticlimactic I, the movie overall felt like it was trying to be subtle, but then over the top at the same time. And the ending was kind of subtle, right? And and actually, I thought, um, yeah, I thought that like I totally agree about Louis Fay's kind of uh, emotion or the, or lack thereof. And I think that she made a. I saw an interview where she made a choice not to kind of call it acting acting, but to be or quote unquote organic. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that that really worked with this kind of disney epic film like it's trying to be more kind of like 
Crouching Tiger, but then at the same time, it's it's not. So, it, it, yeah, it's <laughs> it felt very kind of quiet at the end. I mean, this is spoiler, right? Spoilers already. I, I loved mm-hmm. seeing Ming Na come out. Yeah, that was probably the highlight of the entire film for me. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like where she, you know, she kind of stands in and pre- and presents her, and I just kind of you know start crying and seeing her. And so I think I think for those of us who enjoyed or loved the the original. They threw they'll throw in things like that where you're like, okay, okay, I love Mulan because you know Minas <laughs> appeared, and so <laughs> so it kind of makes up for um, for the, the the more disappointing moments. The problem I think with this movie is I didn't really believe in any of these major character beats that yeah. occur. Right, yeah. so the two big ones I can think of is Donnie Yen accepting her and being like, lead our people in the battle. I was just like. Everything that has been set up about that character does not mm-hmm. make me believe that they're gonna, yeah, th- that Donnie Yen is gonna make that decision. Uh, also, right? a witch told you what, and now we have to go to the <laughs> emperor. Sure, sure, girl. I don't yeah. know. Uh, a witch told yeah. you what? <laughs> also, like, I don't believe Chinese people really had the concept of witches, as far as right, I can tell. Right. Like, very Western concept. Right. Speaking of yeah. Western concepts, uh, yeah, it's more like like shaman or sorcerers in China. So, Fox yeah, spirits. spirits, and then um, and another concept that like isn't really a Chinese concept is is at so, at one point like the emperor says like we must protect like the citizens or something like that. Which like there's no concept of like ci- that's a very Roman concept, right? So it's just like it just feels <laughs> like again citizens. Come on, yeah, it's just like it's like again like white people kind of reinterpreting this in their own you know in a way that what other white people can understand mm-hmm. um and uh, that is a little bit disappointing as uh, as an asian american so yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah th- that's a big one and also uh gong Li's, like big decision to sacrifice herself at the end i'm just like Don't get it. I, think, why? I think you guys like already alluded to the fact that like w- why you know why? what is that makes sense really you know i think they, there's just not enough there uh to make you understand why she would make that decision i mean that's where you use the words to really connect gung lee and mulan like if she if they had multiple counters throughout the movie i think that'd be a little more interesting but i think of like the relationship between um you know uh zhang Ziyi's character in crouching tiger and jade fox and how there is so much there there's a mentor mentee relationship. There is a, she wants to break away from her relationship and then it becomes completely antagonistic. Like that, that makes sense on a character basis. I don't get any, any of these characters really. Yeah, I, I can't tell. Do you like Crouching Tiger better than I this I think film? it's uh, one of the greatest movies ever made. How about that? I think though, I think having only at all, I yes. mean, the problem with original Mulan is that she was the only essential, you know, lead woman. She had nobody else. And I think that, uh, I, like I wrote in my review, I thought that ha- adding Gongli, although again, not enough, mm-hmm. was uh, it was a way to kind of illustrate a societal sexism. And so I thought that, you know, the fact that she was an eagle and she was a bird and then there was the phoenix and the sacrifice, I thought, you know, that maybe both of them are kind of of one of one spirit or something. I thought that that was kind of a, the bird thing or something. maybe I was reading way too much into this, but the sacrifice and the Phoenix, I don't know. I thought that that was part of the, um, the, the kind of symbolism. 
Well, I, I will say that I actually loved the Gong Li character uh, in terms of like how that character is conceived and executed. Great design, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love the design. I thought like her outfit was amazing. She's totally bad. She has like the little cloths that can like flip dudes around. There's that amazing <laughs> moment at the beginning of the movie when like her shadow like blends in with the other guy's shadow and she becomes the dude. She has all these weird powers that are never really fully explained, but. Uh, I mean, she's that, that guy, by the way, freaking freaking Ukarsh Ambukar. He he's a comedian. He was on Mindy's project. Like he's weird to see American con- comedians in this movie. Yeah, randomly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that how that character is like designed and executed was really really cool. I just mm-hmm. wish. Um, I I mean, I think the the whole idea of how Chi was portrayed was pretty silly in my opinion, and so therefore, like. The idea that like she's shunned, but Mulan, you know, is in the process of being shunned, and she you know, Mulan makes the decision like I'm going to protect my my people, and that's what like separates them. Uh, it just it, it didn't quite work for me, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but I love her as a screen presence, and I thought that character was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, any uh, any other thoughts on on the final third of this movie? Uh, I think I think the ending, by the way, reminded me also a lot of the ending of Hero in a way that that movie went from being kind of interesting and subversive into being, you know, yet another tool in in China's message. You know, Chinese propaganda, you mean Chinese propaganda. And whereas this movie is just like straight up like, uh, yeah, the, the emperor's just cheering her on. Like, it's just like she's not even there to like, you know, it's very, very straightforward in terms of like. Her doing her best to serve the country, serve the emperor, yada, yada, yada. I'm not, um, I saw some tweets going around too about the people um, and the organizations Disney was thanking for this movie. And that includes like several government bodies in China who are also, you know, behind the um, the prison camps, basically, yeah, for Uyghur Muslims yeah, that nobody's yeah, talking about. There are concentration camps, basically, in regions that are, like, yeah. the propaganda arm of these regions were thanked in the credits of this film. This this news actually broke earlier today, and it is now, like, sweeping the internet. So, it is another reason to not support this movie um, that uh, people should be aware of, because uh, some of these uh, atrocities are are pretty pretty striking. Um but well, good. I'm glad I didn't spend $30 on it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't yeah. support anything, Jeff. You're okay. Yeah, and I yeah. think that along that line, and I wish I had written about this, was the uh, the darker-skinned uh, yep. Asians, or I, don't know, I guess they're, they're they're played by multiple groups, but um, but all the evil, quote-unquote, quote evil villains, besides, you know, Gong Li, are like, are darker-skinned. And so that mm-hmm. is yeah. a... There's, a there's colorism yeah, going on in this so, movie. So one, one character is just talking about his, like, snow-white lily white beautiful you know bride or something right so oh, yeah. there's a lot of that and it's very but, uh, very upfront also true in the original animated film too by yes. the way the, the like villain in that movie was was uh significantly darker skinned mm-hmm. but yeah um so uh, the, uh what i do appreciate what this movie does get right in terms of chinese culture in my opinion is uh you have enough chi you can fly nailed it nailed it at the end of the movie mulan goes home and we've seen this move this scene in many other american like conventionally american films obviously disney made this movie um but in a conventionally american film the person would ride home in glory and be like you know 
look at me. I saved your ass, mom and dad. And in this movie, Mulan's like, okay, um, dad, I'm so sorry. I lost your sword and, you know, I feel really bad. And oh, oh my gosh, like I took your stuff. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And um, when I was watching this, my wife looked at me. She's like, this is the first moment in the entire film where this actually felt like what it's like to be Chinese. <laughs> she saved the emperor, but that's clearly <laughs> yes. not enough. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, basically, you know, you spend a lot of time apologizing to your parents and trying to avoid bringing shame to your family and their name. Um, and so I actually thought that was like a really nice touch, which mm-hmm. is like, um, yeah, at the end of the movie, she, uh, she reacts like an actual, uh, you know, Chinese uh, daughter would would act a Chinese child would act I think um, so anyway uh, those are some thoughts on, on the ending of the movie any uh, closing thoughts Nancy you want to you want to uh, have the final word here any anything else you want to say should people see this movie um, you know w- now that we know the extent of the complicated political situation with this movie uh, w- what are your thoughts on whether people should see it like if, if people are thinking about if they're agonizing like Jeff Kanata is over the thirty dollars uh, about whether whether they should spend it on this movie, like what what do you say to those people? I think that there um, there's people that care about Asian American representational politics, right? This is a this is a great win for like we talked about lots of Asian actors, Asian American actors like Jason Scott Lee, whom we haven't seen forever, Tai Ma, Rosalind Chow, um, and then we have the politics, right? The moral. Like, do we support this film given all the, like, even what came out came out today? I didn't read about that. And that's pretty horrific, right? Um, so, and then there's people who just, like, didn't like it. And then there's people who love it for nostalgia. So I think it's, this is, when I wrote my first review, I haven't written film reviews before because I feel like films are so subjective. I feel like taste is so subjective. And I feel like all four of those groups, I think I've felt that way in all watching it, right? I felt at one point, any of those groups. And so I have a non-answer, <laughs> depending on where you are, depending on how you feel, right? Yeah. If, you, if you love like, Disney, well, you're going to love it. I think if you love Disney, you're a fan of the original, I think you'll love it. But I think if you feel at all any of those other things, you're going to feel those things watching it. So do you want to wait till December 4th when you know everybody in Disney Plus can see it for not the $30? <laughs> or you may never see it because you don't want to support them. So that's my answer. Yeah. All right. It just depends on your values. But uh, overall, I think what you can hear in this episode of the podcast, real mixed bag, this one, real mixed bag, mixed at best. So uh, anyway, that's our review of Mulan. Um Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, I do want to mention that you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. And our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross with potential remix capabilities from Thomas Medina. or Medina. Um, Nancy, until next time we can see you on this podcast where can people find more of your work on the internet um i am on twitter i live there now given the pandemic so i'm at nancy w-y-u-e-n and i wrote real inequality hollywood actors and racism you can read more about uh the industry and how it's racist great um and we'll link to nancy's review of mulan in the show notes as well um until next week what we'll be discussing next week on the podcast oh we didn't i I didn't uh, get your approval to mention this but i'm pretty sure we're aligned on reviewing charlie kaufman's new movie i'm thinking of ending things we all we'll go with that 
uh, I can't wait to hear how much some of you may or may not hate that film. Um, so looking forward to discussing it here on the Slash Filmcast. Until then, we'll see you later. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for